You know, I try and make it a point to read several newspapers a day, uh, usually online in the new day and age. I try to continue to adapt. They say when you stop being willing to learn new things or adapt that you age. And so as much as I like reading a, a paperback novel or a real book and a real newspaper, I do find it convenient uh, and more productive to be able to get into the habit of reading these things on my devices because I always have them with me and it's just more convenient to carry it around. And in so doing today, I discovered that Friday's show was extremely prescient and forward-looking when I elected to speak about the origins of the Electoral College and why we choose to have it. Because I see upon reading papers in preparation for the show, as I did today, that the electoral system is again still under attack. Apparently people on the left aren't satisfied with the fact that they successfully stole a presidential election. doesn't mean when I say successfully, they didn't do it without us finding out about it, but they did it. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury, and welcome to another episode of the National Preview Online podcast, the NPO podcast. If you have not already done so, please subscribe to the show. You can do so in one of three easy ways. Go to the iTunes App Store or the Google Play Store, depending on which device you use, and simply search out the NPO podcast and click subscribe. In the alternative, you can also download the free Podbean app from either of those two app stores and then search for the NPO podcast and click subscribe. Regardless of which method you use to subscribe, you will be notified whenever a new episode is uploaded and you will be able to leave comments and reviews. And we please ask that you do leave us a review. The more reviews we receive, the more readily the show will be found in search results when people search the podcast app and the app store for different things. Uh, And we need that for the show to grow. And the more the show grows, the greater the offerings we can give you, including a call in line and so forth. So, two cases that I wanted to speak about today, uh, because we're having a focused episode talking about voting. One involves a GOP-backed election integrity bill in the state of Pennsylvania, where Democratic Governor Tom Wolf is indicating that he won't sign. Another case involves the United States Supreme Court weighing in on a lawsuit in California by not weighing in. They've decided not to hear the case. But in this particular case, I think not hearing the case was the right decision. This was not a case talking about uh, or dealing with um, voter fraud or anything like that. It was sort of a case challenging the status quo, saying the status quo itself is wrong. So let's take that one first. This is a case uh, in California, again, the Supreme Court rejected a challenge. It was a challenge to California's electoral process, claiming that the state's winner-take-all system dilutes their votes. Now, I explained to you on Friday why we need the Electoral College and why it was made that way. If you win the popular vote in a state, you get all of the electoral votes. Now, it's not that you don't get a say-so. You get a popular vote. You get a chance to vote. And if you vote and your candidate wins, your candidate gets all of the electoral votes. If you vote and your candidate loses, he doesn't get any 
electoral votes. What these people are arguing, and it's pretty much a, a laughing stock and probably good because comedian Paul Rodriguez was the head of the, um, of the contingent that filed this lawsuit, filed by Paul Rodriguez, Rocky Chavez, uh, the League of the United Latin American Citizens and California League of United Latin American Citizens. And it had asked the Supreme Court to look into whether the aforementioned winner-take-all approach to selecting presidential electors was constitutional. Well, it certainly is. In fact, I think our current process of selecting senators is what's unconstitutional. As I explained to you on Friday, senators were never supposed to be voted for by the people. The senators were there to represent the states as entities and were selected by the legislature of those respective states, not by the people. So if what Mr. Rodriguez and Rocky Chavez and these other clowns uh, want to have come to pass were to come to pass, it would effectively render the electoral college system moot. And that's really what's at, uh, at issue here. They don't like the electoral college system. It's in the Constitution. They have their doubts about whether the Democrats, although they always threaten it, are going to eliminate the electoral college system. So they're trying as best they can to water it down. Now, so certain states have done this. Uh, they've done it in an effort to try and sway the electoral vote to Democrats. Liberal states like Colorado, which have waxed and waned. In some years, they voted for Republicans. Some years, they voted for Democrats. They've tried to apportion the electoral votes based on the percentage of the popular vote you get in that state. They do it in Maine as well. Wherever this is taken up as an issue, wherever this is implemented, it effectively undermines the Electoral College vote, making the Electoral College nothing more than an exact mirror of the popular vote. And that's not what it was designed to do. As I explained before, on Friday... Ross Perot was the most successful third-party candidate we had ever seen. He received, I think, 18 or 19 million votes in his first bid. He ran twice, but his first bid was much more successful than his second. And despite carrying all those popular votes, he didn't carry a single state. So he didn't win a single electoral vote. Now, if what Mr. Rodriguez were allowed to come to pass then the electoral votes would be apportioned to every candidate running uh, according to what percentage of the popular vote they received. That would make the Electoral College moot. It also would create a problem which I told you the Electoral College avoids. In order for a person to govern a country, any country, especially this country, one that we talk about freedom so much and liberty, he needs to have somewhat of a mandate. And that is, people have to know that the majority of the people in the country who are pretty damn close to it, voted for one man. Uh, very rarely do we get much more than 50%, 51%, 52% of the vote. Ronald Reagan got a lot. I think the highest there ever was was on the percentage of the popular vote might have been uh, Lyndon Johnson after JFK was assassinated. People rallied to him. He got something like 60%. FDR might have come close to that. Ronald Reagan got a huge percent, 58%. So this notion that it should be the popular vote who determines the president, not the Electoral College, uh, is not all that convincing. They want you to believe that, well, um, you know, uh, Bush won with 
50 and a half percent and uh, or something like that or 50 percent and Al Gore won with uh, 51 percent. I mean, you're talking about several hundred thousand votes out of millions and millions of millions of votes cast. No real palpable effect. The fact is that the winner wins with 50 percent or damn close to 50 percent of the vote. And it hasn't really changed much since then. When you factor in third party candidates, that's about what it is. But what would happen if this were allowed and electoral college votes were apportioned, then you wouldn't have the Perot effect. See, here's what happened. Perot won 19 million votes, didn't carry a single state. And if you don't get electoral votes in excess of 270, 270 or more, you can't become president of the United States. This discourages numerous people from entering the presidential race. If the presidential race was conducted solely on the basis of the popular vote or an apportioned electoral vote, which would be effectively the same thing, you would have a number of people trying to run for office. Now, the one thing that would stop it at the electoral level is that it might prevent anyone from getting 270. And that is required. It isn't just whoever wins the most votes, you'd have to get 270. So there'd have to be a runoff election, and basically you would turn the general election into nothing more than what a primary is now. You do primaries to eliminate the people who really can't win, get it down to two people, and, and run them. And that's what it comes down to. Now, if they eliminated the Electoral College, and it just worked on popular vote, unless you passed a law that said you have to have uh, at least a 50% majority, like many of your states. You saw that runoff election in Georgia. Because no candidate uh, received 50% of the vote, they had to do a runoff election, and they stole two more Senate seats down there with their chicanery, thanks to um, gap-toothed Leslie Abrams. So the Electoral College does a lot to try and bring about calm in the country. We don't have to turn our uh, general election into a, a, a pseudo-primary by having multiple people running and then have another election to run them off. The Electoral College eliminates all of those problems. And, most importantly, the Electoral College and the popular vote used in conjunction, it was really genius the way the Founding Fathers put up with this, uh, I mean put this together, gives equal weight to the will of the people and the will of the states as sovereign entities. And when it does that, it in effect gives weight to the people because the people are voting for the state representatives who are in turn voting to select the senators. So it isn't as if the, uh, the people themselves don't have a great deal of influence in this electoral process. So the Supreme Court here, uh, in this case, I'm going to give you the name of the case in a second, um, if it's over here. I don't think it shows it, but in any event, I saw it before. Um, anyway, attorneys for Chavez and Rodriguez, who are both reportedly Republicans, I find that hard to believe, they argue that California's system results in the appointment of members of only one political party to the nation's largest electoral college delegation. Chavez previously served in the California State Assembly and ran during the 2018 midterm election in California's 49th Congressional District. They stipulated that such a process is not within the Constitution and is instead a partisan invention by the states that has become the default for the nation, according to their lawsuit, further asserting that it severs the connection between voters 
and presidential candidates. And I just told you that it does anything but. If anything, it increases the connection between voters and the presidential candidates because by its very existence, it's insu it ensures that we're virtually going to come down to two candidates and we're all going to have to make a choice and pick one of the two. And by virtue of doing that, we're going to feel a little better about our choices because the person who wins is generally going to have 50% of the vote or more. So you won't have a divided country. How would you feel if you had only a popular vote or an apportioned electoral vote with no necessity to reach 270? And the person who won got 26% of the popular vote and 26% of the electoral votes with everyone else getting less. Do you think you'd be happy? Do you think the country would be happy? being governed by a man that three-quarters of the people didn't vote for, you'd have a very unhappy country. Three-quarters of the people would be unhappy. Electoral College solves a lot more problems than it creates. And in my, my mind, to my view of history, as I explained on Friday, it doesn't solve any problems. It was a genius invention on the part of the Founding Fathers, and I'm glad the Supreme Court decided to say, hands off on this. Now, if you're trying to tell me that Rodriguez and Chavez are trying to change it, because they're Republicans and they think they're going to get Republicans entered into the electoral delegation. I'm not buying into it. California is a very liberal state, very difficult for anyone to win there. Ronald Reagan was the last Republican that had any kind of influence in California, but Reagan was a different kind of man and it was a different time we were living in and Hollywood was very different. Now, lawyers for Gavin Newsom, the Democratic governor, he was the defendant in the suit, pushed back, claiming there was no cause concern that California does not treat any voter or group of voters different from any other group or prevent anyone from casting a vote. No, they surely don't. In fact, they actually help people cast votes that don't deserve to cast them. There were an estimated 2 million illegal votes cast in California when Hillary Clinton ran against Donald Trump in 2016. Quote, while a winner-take-all system of awarding presidential electors certainly raises the stakes of victory, it does not interfere with petitioners' ability to associate freely with the political party of their choice or otherwise deprive them of equal opportunity to win votes. And that is true. I don't often agree with Gavin Newsom, but even a broken clock can be right twice a day. Unfortunately, you just don't know when that is. So I'm glad in this case that the Supreme Court said no. There's nothing wrong with this. It's constitutional. No reason for us to intervene. Hands off. California stays the way it is. Now, here on the East Coast, or in the eastern part of the United States, Pennsylvania is going through something very different. Tom Wolf, liberal Democrat governor of Pennsylvania, along with his liberal secretary of state, created new election rules for 2020 by government fiat, by executive fiat, not put through the legislature. And through this artifice, they were able to manipulate votes in Pennsylvania, particularly in Philadelphia, and steal the presidential election away from Donald Trump. And there's no doubt about that. Mathematics proves it. And there's an old Jewish saying, figures don't lie, but liars figure. Tom Wolf certainly goes in the latter category. Now, he has vowed to veto the proposed measure and other legislative efforts to, quote, quote, roll back the freedoms Pennsylvanians have right now. What freedoms are those, Governor Wolf? The freedom to be ripped off, the freedoms to have your votes diluted, the freedom to have people who have no right to vote to do so, the freedom to have dead people vote. I heard Joe Frazier voted 
I'd love to see who he voted for, considering he was a registered Republican. Anyway, Wolf, as most Democrats are, are characterizing this um, move by Republican lawmakers as an attempt to take away voters' rights. But let's look at the bill a little more. Make no mistake, he says. Oh, actually, this is according to his press secretary. This proposal is not about protecting voter rights or increasing access. It is an extreme proposal to try and undermine confidence in our election system, says Wolf Press Secretary Lindsey Kessinger. Now, why is it that everything Republicans do, it's an extreme, like Charles Schumer, they want to nominate extreme right-wing judges. Well, why is it bad for us to nominate judges, and why is every judge we nominate characterized as an extreme right-wing justice? How come the judges that the Democrats uh, nominate are never characterized as extreme left-wing judges? You had Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the court, a lawyer for the ACLU. You're trying to maintain or portray her as a mainstream jurist? She was never even a judge. She was a lawyer for one of the most radical leftist organizations this country's ever seen, and she's perceived as in the mainstream But somebody like Gorsuch and Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett, oh, they're extreme right-wing judges. Anyway, last week, state Republican lawmakers led by Representative Seth Grove, who's the chairman of the House State Government Committee, introduced the overhaul of the Pennsylvania election system, including more stringent voter identification requirements and mail ballot signature verification. The bill, among other measures, would eliminate the state's permanent mail-in voting list, establish a new Bureau of Election Audit Agency, and allow early in-person voting starting in 2025. The most significant proposal within this bill is the new voter identification requirement, a measure that Democrats nationwide generally oppose. Of course they oppose it. And what is so suppressive about that? You can't walk into a supermarket to buy a six-pack of beer unless you can prove you're 18 years old. Shouldn't you have to prove that you're at least 18 years old to vote? Shouldn't you have to prove that you're a citizen of the United States with a right to vote and not simply an illegal immigrant or someone that's voting twice? Shouldn't you have to prove who you are? It's just like in New York City or other places. You know, we're one of the few countries that have diplomatic immunity. You've all seen... TV shows and murder mysteries that show about how people who with diplomatic immunity can't be prosecuted. Well, guess what? You're a diplomat. You shoot someone on the street of the city of New York, and you shoot them right in front of a New York City police officer. It says, no person with diplomatic immunity can be arrested, detained, or in any way sanctioned for any crime. And then there's that little caveat at the end. Once his identity has been established. We have no problem allowing people to vote. Black, white, purple, Martian, I don't care. If you're a citizen, naturalized or not, and you are entitled to vote, we want you to be able to vote. But it's not unreasonable for us to ask you to prove that you are a citizen and have a right to vote. Just as it's not unreasonable for that New York City police officer, having just seen you shoot dead a person right before him, to have you prove that you have diplomatic immunity. And in reality, 
The officer is not going to make the decision. He's going to call a supervisor with a higher pay grade because he's not about to let someone go who just committed murder. He's going to put that man in cuffs. I don't care if he's a diplomat. I don't care if he's from Saudi Arabia. He's going to be in cuffs until a supervisor orders him to release him once his identity has been established. There's nothing suppressive about this. This is about a party, the Democrat Communist Party of the United States, trying to forever alter the character of elections in this country so that no Republican could win. And to their credit, the GOP in Pennsylvania is pushing back. You have the spokesperson for the governor saying, Republican state lawmakers don't like the outcome of the November election, and now they are retaliating against the voters. After Wolf's office issued this statement, Representative Grove told CBS News that Wolf and his staff obviously did not read the bill. If they think in-person early voting is voter disenfranchisement and suppression, that's in the bill. Curbside voting to help Americans with disabilities, Pennsylvania voters voter suppression, this is all in the bill. Other Republican-led states, including Arizona, one of the six states with the chicanery going on, Florida, and Georgia, have passed similar bills that Republicans say will secure the integrity of state elections. Democrats at the state and federal level have expressed near unilateral opposition to such measures, stating that they're tantamount to voter suppression. Whenever they're talking about voter suppression, remember this now, ladies and gentlemen, whenever Democrats talk about Republicans or others engaging in voter suppression, they are the ones who are engaging in voter suppression. All these Republican-led bills are doing is assuring to allow anything other than that, to allow people who are not entitled to vote to vote without challenging, is voter suppression because it is suppressing your legitimate vote. So don't buy into this nonsense when they're telling you that all these reforms that the GOP is putting forth to have people prove that they are who they are and to make sure the signature verifications are real. Because mail-in voting, first of all, let's, let's get right down to brass tacks. All this other stuff is nonsense. This mail-in voting is crap. This early voting is nonsense. All this stuff is designed to increase the opportunity for fraud. That's all it is. The only way you can have integrity in an election is everyone votes at the same time. You don't need early voting because there isn't a single state in this union that doesn't have a provision for a mail-in ballot. But it's not called a mail-in ballot because you just don't have an absolute right to get a mail-in ballot. Instead, they're called absentee ballots. And to get an absentee ballot, you have to be able to demonstrate why you can't get to the polls in person. Many elderly people do this because they are infirmed, they can't walk, they're homebound. It's not a problem. No state denies them these absentee ballots. And then you have people that are snowbirds. You have people that live in New York and, Cal and uh, Florida, and they may be moving or going to Florida if the weather turns abruptly before Election Day. So if they know they're not going to be in New York and that's where they make their primary residence, they cast their vote uh, in New York before they leave. Or in the reverse, if you're a Florida resident, because I can't imagine anyone who has properties in both states would possibly want to make themselves a New York resident and pay all that tax. If you're a Florida resident and you go up in New York during the summer and you stay till Thanksgiving, so in which case you're not back in Florida by the time Election Day rolls around, you request an absentee ballot from Florida, explain that you're in your New York residence, and they allow you to vote. They send it to you. There's nothing wrong with that because you're getting a ballot and you're sending a ballot to a person 
who was on the voter rolls, who was alive, and who was requesting it. You're not simply sending out mail-in ballots to every Tom, Dick, and Harry on the voter roll when you know those voter rolls are inaccurate because they haven't been purged in some cases for decades, and you have all manner of chicanery and fraud going on, anywhere from people voting twice, people placing residences in two states and voting in two states, and dead people voting like good old Smoke and Joe Frazier, who has reliably voted in every election in the presidency since his demise back in 2012. And I'd love to see, like I said before, who Joe voted for since he's a registered Republican. So don't buy into this nonsense. Please join me tomorrow for another episode. We will be getting into what I told you about the culture of corporate wokeism. We'll be speaking about that later this week. We hope to get the next episode up tomorrow. It may be Wednesday, but we will be here this week. Do not fear. For National Preview Online, I'm Jamie Dury.